Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. God bless you, Brian. Thank you again. Amen. This morning, as uh, we open our hearts to the Word of God, I, I was thinking in terms of Christmas, what Christmas means, and tried to figure out in my mind what one unique thing about this time of year is special. What is there that's so unique about Christmas? You know, we think of trees, we think of gifts, we think of food, we think of family, we think of fellowship, we think of food, we think of all of these things that come with Christmas, right? Uh, my, I had an aunt that she made this fudge that was to die for. And uh, so food is really a part of my life. You know, some people eat to live, I live to eat. And uh, how many of you can relate to that? I, this, it's, I, yeah, I suspected as much. But um, what is there about Christmas that's so special to you? I, I think all of us could ask that question, and we probably come up with similar answers. But the thought that hit me was it is a very amazing thing. Think about this. Literally around the world, Time itself is determined and measured by the birth of Christ. Before Christ, B.C. You go to any country in the world and today is 2019 A.D. That's not after death. That's Anno Domini, which simply means Latin term that simply means the year of our Lord. Time itself is predicated upon the very birth of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? But that's not the only thing. When I think in terms of, of Christmas, I think of, of what it represents in so many other ways. Matthew says this in Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, that means to be engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before they had physical relationships, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's significant. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord to the prophet. The prophet was Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It's interesting because that passage is a direct quote, if you will, from Isaiah chapter 7. 
Isaiah, as a prophet, spoke more about messianic fulfillment in scriptures than any other prophet in the Old Testament. Isaiah speaks to this in context of something very unique. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 7, it says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, How, O Lord, here now, O house of, his, of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but you weary my God also? Then he quotes the scripture, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That sounds so wonderful. But when you read that passage of scripture, you, you don't see Christmas. You don't see angels. You don't see shepherds. In the context of that scripture, it's speaking about a time where Israel was being besieged by, by the Assyrians. Besieging means that there was a buildup of, of, of troops getting ready to make war. They were preparing to overrun Israel. And, and at this point in time, what we don't hear is Ahaz has made a backdoor deal with Syria so that he could profit by simply selling out Israel. And yet the prophet comes to him and says, wait a second, I don't want you to, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to be afraid that somehow you're going to lose. I don't want you to be afraid that the Israelites are going to be decimated. I don't want you to be afraid of all of this. I want you to ask God of anything, anything in the world, ask him. And Ahaz comes back with this answer. It almost sounds scriptural, almost sounds spiritual. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. It makes him sound so spiritual, doesn't it? He wasn't wanting to test the Lord. The reality was he didn't trust the Lord. He had already made a deal. He had already filled his own pockets. He wasn't wanting to trust the Lord because if the Lord gave him a word, he would have to fulfill the word. Here's what hits me in this passage. It's not just about the birth of Jesus. Oh, it is about the birth of Jesus, but it's so much more. What he's simply saying is, listen, Ahaz, I'm going to give a prophecy about the birth of, a, of the Savior, of the Messiah that will come. That birth wouldn't happen for 740 years. And he was saying to Ahaz, I am not allow, I'm not going to allow Israel to be devastated. I will not let them be conquered because I have a plan and a purpose. And all of the enemy that's trying to conquer them cannot conquer them because I have a plan. His name is Jesus. Listen to this. Satan cannot defeat you. Satan cannot conquer you. But you can conquer yourself. In weakness, 
in, in foolishness and stupid decisions, we can conquer ourselves. We can defeat ourselves. We can play into the hand of the enemy. But the enemy cannot conquer us because he has a purpose. God has a purpose. I, 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 I said something earlier this morning in the first service that I think bears repeating. If, if we think about it, we live life, we see life, in terms of time. Somebody lives, they were born, they die, and we think of time. That's what we, that's what we see life in terms of. But God doesn't see life in terms of time. He sees life in terms of purpose. I know the purpose. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. It's a purposed life. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, the purpose of your life. God looks at us with purpose. He didn't just put us here just to chalk time. He put us here for a purpose. I love that. Ahaz, the Messiah, has to come. And he has to come through the tribe of, of, of Judah, through the house of David. It's not going to happen right now. It wouldn't for 740 years. I have a purpose. Trust me, for a virgin will conceive and bring forth a child, and the child will be the son of God. That, that's, that's a powerful thought. So what's so amazing about Christmas? God became human. Think about that. God became human. That's my first point. I sent my notes in, Jane, she texts back, she says, it's redundant. Because my second point is, God became human. The emphasis on the first one, God became human. The second one is, God became human. Two separate spots, but yet they're so powerful and so important. I love theology. Theology is... It, Ology is the study of the subject matter. Theology is the subject matter is God. It's the study of God. I've, I've, I've been a theologian for many years. It's interesting. This next month, Sherry and I will celebrate 50 years of pastoral ministry. I remember when we first started out, people that were 50 years old in ministry looked really old. And they were. <laughs> but for, for all of these years, this study, this, this, this quest, this, this challenge, this curiosity to know more about him has been overwhelming in my life. God became human. It's an amazing thing. This is why Christmas is so important to me. Christmas changes Everything. There's an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. He was, he is, he will always be God. But many simply want to call him a good teacher or a prophet or a good man. They want to take away his divinity. They want to somehow expiate his humanity. They want to say that he wasn't what he said he was. He was a great prophet. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. 
no, no, no. He is God that came into this world and took on the form of a man. Listen to it. Jesus one day came to his disciples. And I think they were just gathered together. They were just having a moment. And in the midst of their conversation, he says, whom do men say that I am? Well, Jeremiah or one of the prophets or John the Baptist. But who do you say I am? Peter, in one of his more, his more, more lucid moments, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood hath not re- de- declared this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, and upon this declaration, upon this rock, I will build my church. Who do you say he is? You see, the answer to that question is going to determine your eternity. Whom do you say Jesus is? Your answer determines where you will spend the rest of your eternity. Your whole future, your whole life, your whole eternity is determined upon the answer to that question. It's interesting. In, in the Greek, it, 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 it's... Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the one that is of God, the one that is God, the Messiah, Hamashiach in the Hebrew. He was more than a good man. We know he was God because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a little insight here. Scriptures say that the sins of the Father are passed from the Father to the Son to the first, second, and third generation, not through the mother. And every woman here said, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Nowhere in Scripture do you find the iniquity of the of of the parent being passed from parent from mother to child it's through the father now think about this in conception you have the seed of the man you have the egg of the woman and the two coming together creates the conception of a new new life it wasn't the seed of a human it was the seed of the father it was it was pure there was no Corruption, it was incorruptible seed. There was no there was no deterrent from it. It was pure, it was perfect. By which he became God. And yet he took on the form of a man. The seed produced the life in the egg that became the human of Jesus. Does it make sense? Peter tells us in in the scriptures that uh, 
having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, though through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Think about this. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we're born again. Isn't that what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter three? You must be born again. It's a spiritual rebirth. It is, it is something unique and different. This time, it is not the, the seed of the Father that's earthly, that's corrupted, but it is the seed of the heavenly Father that is rebirthed in us so that our salvation is incorruptible and perfect. Glory to God. That's good preaching, Pastor. God didn't send a messenger. He didn't send an angel. He came himself. He came himself. I heard a story of a fellow that he had a friend who was a judge, and he came to the judge one day, and he says, as a friend, he says, you know, I got a ticket the other day. He says, do you think you could take care of that for me? He said, sure. A couple weeks passed, and they were having coffee. He says, hey, by the way, did you take care of that ticket? Did you have it dismissed? He says, no, I didn't have it dismissed. I did take care of it, but I didn't dismiss it. He says, what do you mean? He says, I paid for it. Well, I didn't ask you to do that. I, I thought you'd just do your judge thing and just dismiss it. He said, let me ask you this question. Were you guilty? Well, Yeah. He said, the law demands that a penalty be paid. So I paid it because the law demand. Jesus didn't come into this world to dismiss our sin. He came into this world to pay the penalty for our sin. And he didn't send an angel to do that. He came himself to do that. God became human to take care of that situation. But God became human. He was born. His life was dependent upon others. Just like ours. I took a couple gifts that I, for some foster children, and one was a four-year-old little girl, and one's one-year-old. Well, what do I know about kids and gifts? And I, I went to Fred Myers, and it's a good thing they've got those things in town, I'm telling you. And, and I got there, and, and a friend of mine, his wife was there, and I, I was trying to figure out, what is a 2T? It doesn't make sense to me. One-year-old child, 2T. What are you supposed to get? with? What's a 2T? Is that T-ball? I don't know what this means. So I, I was looking around, and finally I see this little gal. I said, can you answer a question? What does 2T mean? And she looked. She says, oh, come here. She says, it's the size of clothing. Well, why didn't they say that? So 
I got a little hat and little gloves. Got a little outfit, little little shirt, skirt thing, and whatever, and these little pant things. You know, you can't have a coat and hat. I mean, you know, it's cold. I, I had to get a coat too. A little stuffed animal. Because that little one-year-old can't dress itself. Can't bathe itself. Can't cook for itself. Can't protect itself. Jesus came into this world dependent upon other people. He came into this world to experience what you and I will experience in the human experiment. He knew pain. He knew hunger. He knew hurt. He knew betrayal. He, he knew temptation. Just like you and me. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. Do you know what that means? That means when we go through trials in life, he's with us. When we go through sicknesses and pain, he's with us. And when we're lonely, he's with us. And when we lose a loved one, he's with us. And when we're struggling in life, he's with us. And when we don't know have, have the answers, he is with us. When we don't have the answers for employment, he's with us. When we struggle with just simply being human, he's with us. Glory to God. Do you capture why Christmas is so amazing? God, God became human that he could identify with everything you and I would ever experience. Hallelujah. And he's with us. Oh, I don't even know how to contain what I sense. He's with us. Glory to God. He's with us. I love the way John declares it in 1 John 1. In the beginning was the Word. Logos. In the beginning was the Word. It's capitalized. It's the Word. It's a name. The name of Jesus was not Yeshua in heaven. His name was Word. And God spoke. Let there be. It was the Word being released. And he was creative, and he created all that is. The word is powerful. Why do I love the Gideons? Because they take the word into the world. You can't live without the word. You have to know the word. You need to have the word. You hide the word in your heart. I, I, I read years ago, R.A. Torrey made this statement that... that this word will keep me from sin. But sin will keep me from this word. I've had that etched in every Bible that I've ever possessed. This word will keep me from sin. 
but sin will keep me from the word. Say it with me. The word will keep me from sin, but sin will keep me from the word. Jesus came in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became human. Do you understand that? What a powerful, powerful thing. I, I love it. You, you, you read in the word, if he didn't come that way, guys, if he didn't come, if God didn't become human, then that book is a lie. You are not saved. You don't have eternity. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no hope. If God didn't become human. Do you understand that? But I've got good news for you. God became human. And he did come. And he does dwell. And he does live with us. Hallelujah. Give him a big hand praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Do you see it? Unto us a child is born. God became human. And it goes on and it says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He redeemed us himself. That's the most amazing facet to me. It's the most amazing thing in the world is that God became human just for you and me. So it goes back to the question, who do you say he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Father, we celebrate so many things at Christmas, family, friends. It, it is a giving, cheerful kind of time for so many. But Lord, the real meaning of Christmas is you, God, became flesh. You became human. You came into the world not to dismiss our sin, but to pay the full penalty for our sin. You came into the world so that you could identify with what we deal with. We cannot say, God, you don't know. Oh, you do know. Because you experienced everything, every emotion, every challenge that we'll ever experience. You've experienced it already. And so, Father, we, we're grateful. 
that we have a God that can identify with who we are and what we're going through and the challenges that we face. What an incredible confidence that brings to us, Father. Because some this morning are going through the pain of loss. Some are going to experience that shortly. Some, some are going through physical dynamics that are painful and difficult, and they don't have answers. Some have been left and abandoned. Some have been despised. All of us have experienced the human challenge, and you've experienced it as well. And you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Emmanuel, God with us. What a gift. What an incredible, incalculable gift to know that you are with us. Irrespective of the challenges that we would face, you're with us. So, Lord, this morning as every head is bowed, eyes are closed, we simply close ourselves into you, Lord, you're here. Make your presence known to each heart and each life. Some that are going through grief, fear of what the future holds, Lord, let them sense the fact that you're there with them. You're going to walk with them. You truly order the steps of the righteous. You guide and direct our path. David said it well. I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You're going to take care and bring daily bread. You're going to meet us. You're going to help us. You're going to walk with us. Because you have and you will. But this morning, Father, we come back to that question. Who do we say you are? And I pray, Father, that every heart and every mind this morning would be able to say, Jesus, you are God who came to take the penalty of my life and my sin that I could have eternal life. You became human so that I could live. But perhaps there are those this morning who would be honest before God and say, I'm not sure that I've ever made that confession. I want to know my eternity is, is real and I need the life change that only God can bring. Jesus, I believe, I receive, I ask you to forgive. If that's you this morning with an uplifted hand, would you say, Pastor, pray for me? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Would you all stand with me this morning? Who do we say that Jesus is? <laughs> Emmanuel. God with us. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, wow. What a God we serve. What a God we serve.